Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. This is episode 361. I am your host, Sky Guasco. Welcome back to another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. With me, my man, Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Sky, Valentine's Day's over. Let's talk football again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> put, put in the work, bro. Get the flowers. Yeah. Get the cupcakes. Right. Maybe a cider, a bottle of wine, whatever the yeah. missus enjoys, and uh, right. put in a little extra time. I hear you, bro. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely with you. Well, very excited to, uh, like, kind of put one last bow, I guess, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, if you want to think of it that way, on 2020. And we have a series over the next two weeks. Now, listeners, we are dropping down to two episodes per week. We went hard throughout the NFL playoffs. We went hard through the Super Bowl. And now the boys and I are going to give you Tuesday and Thursday podcasts for the next couple of months. So hang out with us. With that time, we're going to try to condense as much information as we possibly can into two episodes for you. So these are going to be more informationally dense, statistically, analytically based dense episodes so if you like numbers you like to nerd out on fantasy football you're in the right space bobby and i are going to kick it off today with the quarterback review of 2020 all right so uh lucas and dweez are going to do the running backs on thursday next week bobby and i will follow up with the receivers lucas and dweez will finish it up with the tight ends next thursday so we'll give you this two episodes per week for the next two weeks after that we have a serious coaching changes basically a month worth of coaching change review. And again, that's two episodes per week um, or two weeks, I should say. Uh, Bobby and Dweez are going to go nuts for two weeks for you. Have all the coaching changes, AFC, NFC, breaking it down for you to make sure you stick around. But before then, we are getting into the 2020 recap of the top 24 quarterbacks. Now, we briefly went over who finished where right but now we're going to take a deeper dive into who finished where and why they finished there because as we tell you every podcast we possibly can it's more important to figure out why a player finished somewhere than just the ultimate result I can tell you all day long that Kirk Cousins finished QB 11 and end the conversation right there but you have no context as to why he did that or if he's been there before blah 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 what we're going to do is dive deeper and let you know what happened if any changes maybe helped in that um, and if it was for better or worse for that quarterback in particular in 2020. We are going to save a lot of the coaching change conversations that are kind of already brewing. We're going to save that to Dewey's and Bobby for the next couple of weeks, um, but we are going to dive deep uh, as we can to bring you the top 24 quarterbacks from 2020 to give us an idea of what we're looking at heading into draft season. Bobby, before we get into this, what is kind of the main objective here for you when we recap uh, player positioning from the year prior. 
Uh, is it repeatable? Uh, I think that's one of the key things to take away is look at 2020 to understand, okay, this guy fell in this position. Can he do it again next year? Um, we talk a lot about system continuity and player continuity is key. And that's something that we'll look at and talk a lot about in this segment, because if there's a coaching change, that's going to cause disruption. If there's guys leaving the free agency, it's going to cause disruption. Um, talking about injuries and understanding if they lost the key guy, is that going to be a big impact? So stuff like that is huge. That's why we like to look back before we look forward for 2021. So I know personally, when I was doing this exercise, I immediately started thinking, oh, wow, system continuity matters. Because when we talk about it, you know, a lot of these guys, second, third year in a system or more. So that's probably the biggest takeaway. Absolutely. I dig it. All right, man. Well, let's start right up at the top here. We got a lot of names to go through. Let's get through it as swiftly as we possibly can. Of course, we will talk more about some players than others. We may even skip over a couple of players entirely. If there is anybody that you want us to go deeper into that we don't cover, make sure to leave a comment below here and uh, let us know. If you're on the podcast, of course, you can shoot us a DM as well and ask about somebody maybe we didn't cover. Maybe you got them in Dynasty or you're looking to make a trade or you just acquired them. Maybe you're just a fan of that team. Let us know in the comment section below here on YouTube or you can let us know in the podcast section, of course, or shoot us a DM and we can help you out with those individual players. Okay, Bobby, here we go. We got 24 players to cover. We're going to break it down in quarters. So we're going to do four players at a time. Again, it's very top heavy, of course. So we'll spend more time at the top and kind of wean our way out. But let's start up at the top. Total points scored. And of course, this is depending on format-ish. But for the most part, this is kind of what we're looking at here. Number one quarterback on the season in total points scored, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, over 400 fantasy points. The only player to go over 400 fantasy points. However, he finished second in points per game. Number two on the year, Kyler Murray overall, but finished third in points per game. Number three, Aaron Rodgers finished fourth in points per game. Number four, Patrick Mahomes finished number one in points per game because he had missed week 17. The rest of the guys played all 16. Bobby, I'll let you kick it off here. What did you learn most from the top four here? Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. First off, system continuity. Hey, Doc, hey, there it is. Uh, right away, those teams, all those guys in the same system, either in the second, third, or fourth year, and that's huge. That's the one thing I noticed right off the bat. The other thing is they have a key, true number one wide receiver. That was another huge factor in all this. You know, Stefan Diggs to DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera. So those are two of the common factors. Um, another thing is rushing ability and granted Aaron Rodgers isn't your typical uh, rushing guy, but he had three rushing touchdowns this season. So, and he can do the things like that in the red zone, which really helps him overall, which also helps him score 48 passing touchdowns as well. Cause he's a threat with his legs career high. So Yeah. So I think those things are the biggest takeaways for all, all those guys. And I think that's probably the stickiest thing. System continuity, true elite uh, difference maker on the outside wide receiver and also some type of mobility on the ground. Absolutely. So as we mentioned, Aaron Rodgers career high, 48 passing touchdowns, quite impressive considering he's been in the league nearly 15 years. Uh, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray career highs across the board here. Josh Allen, 1500 more passing yards and 17 more touchdowns than prior in his career. Very impressive there. Obviously Kyler Murray career highs across the board, 11 touchdowns, seven more. Obviously, that shut down a little bit when he hurt his shoulder. We'll see. He should be north of 10, though, is what we're starting to see as a trend for Kyler Murray. Patrick Mahomes didn't play in week 17, didn't matter. 13 of his 15 games as a QB1. We're taking a QB1 performance on average as 20 fantasy points or more because as we look down this list here, the um, 
the 12-13 barrier between our QB1s and our QB2s uh, is about 20 points. So we're going to take plus 20 points on a week is a QB1 week. So if you hear me say that, 13 of 15 or you know 8 of 16, whatever, that is a QB1 uh, performance on average. So Patrick Mahomes, 13 of 15 games as the QB1. All right, let's go into the second quarter here. Number five, Deshaun Watson, also number five in points per game. Russell Wilson, number six overall, also number six in points per game. Ryan Tannehill, number seven overall, but number nine in points per game. Tom Brady, number eight overall, 10th in points per game. How do we feel about five through eight here? Watson, Wilson, Tannehill, Brady. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into this for the coaching chains episode, but uh, I think like Watson and Wilson, you know, those guys are going to look at some type of disruption. But for this episode, when I, you know, once again, Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller really emerged for him in the first part of the year. And then Brandon Cooks kind of took the reins in the second. Um, the biggest thing too, is you can say what you want about Bill O'Brien and, and, you know, him as a general manager, but the guy can coach. And once again, even though there was some changes uh, to the coaching staff, technically, it was still Bill O'Brien's offense, right? So Deshaun Watson continuity, same thing on Russell Wilson, you know, Schottenheimer and whatever they're doing up there with the run first mentality and let Russ cook and it doesn't happen. But Russell Wilson had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the outside, whether they were consistent or not, doesn't really matter. He had an elite wide receiver but he also had system continuity. I mean, this is going to be a common theme. Ryan Tannehill, same thing. You know, you could say Arthur Smith, he kind of took over the uh, scheme from Matt LaFleur a couple of years ago, kept the same thing going. They built off last year. Ryan Tannehill was able to grow, used guys like A.J. Brown and Corey Dillon, once again, very system continuity and an elite wide receiver. Tom Brady's the first one that kind of breaks the mold a little bit because he did go to a new team. But when he went to that new team, they had an established coach, with established playmakers on the outside. So maybe that's something we need to talk about. You know, Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, the receiver position, left in free agency, but they went to established coaching staffs and established quarterbacks. Maybe the same thing can be thought about in the future. Like, it's one thing to switch teams. Like, Matthew Stafford might be a sleeper because, yes, he's going to a new team. He's going to a great coach with weapons on the outside. So I think that Tom Brady was the first one to truly break the mold, but – you know, it's Tom Brady and you give him, you give him Mike Evans and you give him uh, Chris Godwin and those guys, it's going to be elite. So once again, a lot of continuity on that team, but overall this, this group, little less mobility in the sense for Tom Brady, but still Tannehill, Wilson, Watson, all able to move, move around. That's another big factor in being a QB one in fantasy. With Tom Brady too. I mean, of course you had the quote unquote Tom Brady effect, which you know, literally Tom was kind of able to bring in pieces off the street, quite literally Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, previously retired Leonard Fournette uh, was, you know, cast out in Jacksonville. They bring him in and, you know, he arguably could have been the, uh, you know, Super Bowl MVP, uh, yeah. certainly the postseason MVP for Tampa Bay. Um, so you mentioned continuity. So maybe it wasn't Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, but it was Tom Brady and Gronk. Obviously it was Tom Brady and A.B., who, although a short stint in New England, still had the rapport. And then you bring in great talent in Godwin, you mentioned, and Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Cameron Brait, just excellent players overall who had all played together the year prior. And that's a, a recipe for success. Obviously, that Tampa Bay defense didn't hurt either. A couple more notes here on uh, Watson. Career highs across the board here. A career low in seven interceptions. So, uh, Nuke Hopkins leaves. Right. Bill O'Brien gets fired the first month of the season. It, pretty much it's a train wreck in, in Houston. Of course, it's only gotten worse since then, but we'll 
cover that as we go on. But he was forced to run more and throw more, and he had career highs across the board. Quite impressive. Uh, Russell Wilson, career highs in attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. Ten of his 16 games are QB1 performances, but eight of those, so the first half of those were over the first nine games. Remember, in the first half of the season, Russell Wilson was a top three quarterback in the league, absolutely on fire. Only two QB one performances in the back half of the season, though. Unfortunately, Pete Carroll comes out, they fire, you know, their offensive coordinator, they come back and they say, we want to run the ball more. Russ is unhappy. DK basically rats out the whole team in the scheme. Not looking good. We'll see what happens there. Um, Tannehill career highs in passing uh, and rushing touchdowns, but only seven of his 16 games as a QB one, very efficient there, obviously. And Tom Brady, 40 touchdowns, nine of his 16 games as a QB one and three of those and the season remained hot through the postseason as well. Okay, let's round out the, the QB1s here in the top 12 with my boy, number nine, Justin Herbert. Number nine overall, seventh, though, in points per game. Number 10, Lamar Jackson, eighth overall in points per game. 11, Kirk Cousins, also 11th in points per game. And Matt Ryan, number 12, but 13th in points per game. Herbert, Jackson, Cousins, Matt Ryan. Yeah, uh, let me guess. Was there system continuity with these guys? I think there was. I mean, listen. Everybody, uh, everybody but Herbert, right? I know. Well, Herbert, I mean, listen, the coaching staff with Anthony Lynn, you know, technically those guys were on staff already, right? So Herbert came in, he was a new face, but the staff was still established. I know, and listen, you're going to know one thing about me. I'm going to keep saying stuff over and over again because it makes sense. It just does. And I think the only, I think the biggest glaring one on this list is Lamar Jackson. Yes, he finishes a top 12 quarterback, but it just was a huge disappointment where you had to draft him. Um, he really did turn it on the second half. We understand that, but he truly, you know, if you made it to the playoffs with Lamar Jackson, he might've carried you to a championship, right? But at the same time, you had to get there with Lamar Jackson as like a third round pick and that's going to hurt. But overall, these guys did finish right around that 12 when it comes to whether it's points per game, whether it's consistency, you know, Matt Ryan did fall down a little bit further on some of the metrics I saw. He did have some elite performances, but he finished outside the top 12 a lot more than you would like for a quarterback. So, you know, but overall, these guys, I mean, with with Matt Ryan, we just touched on he's going to have a new coach, Arthur Smith. That's great. But that pass volume is going to crater. We'll touch more on that later. But Julio was out most of the year. So Julio could be like that cancel out thing, right? Julio comes back. He has Ridley, a second year with Hayden Hurst. You know, new coaching staff, maybe more creativity. Great. That could be good news for Matt Ryan. But overall, I think you're not you weren't excited, even though Matt Ryan finishes the QB 12, you probably weren't excited to start him most weeks, probably two thirds of the games because he wasn't even a top 12 quarterback. He just finished that because he played 16 games. So that's just another factor in this whole thing. Some guys just play 16 and they're just healthy. But uh, you got to factor in that. But also with Lamar Jackson, just want to touch on another thing. The offensive line, they lost Marshall Yonda in the offseason, which is their best offensive lineman. Then they lost their left tackle, Ronnie Staley, for most of the season. And that's huge because it took some time for them to get that gelling as well. But uh, those guys – well, at least Stanley will be back next year. I know Orlando Brown did pretty good. He wants to be traded or whatever. But that's just also important when we look at this. So that's just another thing that was glaring. A healthier offensive line should be able to get him off to a hotter start next year. Absolutely. We'll start with Matt Ryan here. Nearly identical numbers to 2019. I thought that was really interesting when I was doing the research here. Nearly identical numbers to 2019. 2019 felt like a normal Matt Ryan number, you know, year, good games. He's good for 303, you know, whatever. Um, 
but it felt much worse because he had such duds without Julio Jones. Julio missed all of, or at least parts of six total games this year. And obviously when Julio was on the field, he was Julio Jones, but he was gimpy for two or three of them and missed four uh, overall. And Matt Ryan cratered in all but one of those games, unfortunately. Kirk Cousins, as we mentioned, did very well. Um, kind of that sneaky back-end QB1 like Phillip Rivers was uh, for the bulk of his career. Not sexy, not winning you weeks, but staying steady there. And then Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, here's the big one. Ten less passing touchdowns. Um, Ten less passing touchdowns than 2019 when he won the MVP. That's obviously going to, you know, that marks you down, well, 40 or 60 points depending on your scoring. But he still had seven rushing touchdowns, which helped. But he had six less points per game. So a touchdown less performance for Lamar Jackson per game. That's a huge mark. That's nearly 80 less fantasy points from 2019. Obviously, that's going to be real rough. Now, he was he struggled for a minute in the bulk of the season, missed that game uh, against that makeup on Wednesday for Thanksgiving against the Steelers. They still almost pulled it out. Lamar Jackson became Lamar Jackson, though, in the bulk half of the season. The last five games of the year, he was a QB one and probably won people uh, or at least got people into the champion chip round there in uh, fantasy football. And of course, my boy, Jay Herbs, offensive rookie of the year, broke nearly all rookie passing records. And six of his nine losses as a Charger rookie were less than one score. So quite literally, he was just a couple plays here and there, a penalty, a catch, uh, a non-interception, an extra touchdown or whatever, to potentially even getting into the playoffs with that team. I think they're going to be excellent for a long time moving forward. Okay, those are our top 12. One more time very quickly, Allen, Murray, Rogers, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, Tannehill, Brady, Herbert, Jackson, Cousins, and Matt Ryan. Let's take a quick commercial break to rep our homies over at the Jersey Jungle. Bobby, of all the players that we just went through, who is the one player on this list that you would love to have a jersey of? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go. I think I got a little man crush on Josh Allen, so I'm going to go Josh Allen. Right at the top. I love it. I've already got my baby blue Justin Herbert as I've been repping for weeks. I wouldn't mind maybe a Lamar Jackson. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes would be great. Might have to go with the legendary status of Aaron Rodgers, potentially or Tom Brady, but I'm not sure if I want mm -hmm. that Patriots or the Bucks jersey. Right. Either way, many, many options. Make sure you go check out the Jersey Jungle on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. Look, there's game authentic jerseys for 60 bucks at cost, right? You use the TCK promo code, tell them Bobby and Sky sent you. They're going to give you 10 to 15% off of your order, one to three. These jerseys are about 120 on NFL.com. You check out the Jersey Jungle, you're getting them for cheaper already, and you give them the code TCK to save 10 to 15% off of your order. That's Jersey Jungle on Instagram, the Jersey Jungle. Check them out. All right, man, let's jump into the QB2s on the back half here. We'll start with 13 through 16. Number 13, Derek Carr, but 17th. This is important. This is where this is, These are where the numbers start to get weird. 13th overall in points scored, but 17th in points per game. That's not the direction we want these guys going. A little more positive, Big Ben, 14th overall, but 12th in points per game. Matt Stafford, 15th overall, 18th in points per game. And Cam Newton, 16th overall, 15th in points per game. 13 through 16, Carr, Roethlisberger, Stafford, Newton. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I'll say this about Derek Carr is – you know, he was kind of last year, it was Darren Waller. And, you know, truly last year, he didn't have any of the true receiver threats. He didn't have anybody on the outside. 
that could dominate one-on-one. It was really just him and Darren Waller. And for him to really blossom, he needed weapons. So they tried to get him Henry Henry Ruggs, and Ruggs kind of had an up-and-down year. But Nelson Aguilar, former first-round pick, kind of emerged for him. And when I'm looking at Derek Carr, listen, you can say what you want about the guy, but he was pretty consistent. He actually had, you know, a decent amount on a consistency ranking when I saw. He was still top. He was actually 12th in consistency based on the fact that he had more uh, QB1 finishes than not, which is pretty solid for someone in this range, which is finished outside of the top 12. But I think with Derek Carr, if Henry Ruggs can take the next step last year, uh, next year, and they can really bring in and maybe re-sign Nelson Aguilar and continue to feature Darren Waller, you know, that system with John Gruden is great. So I think Derek Carr, you're never going to probably draft Derek Carr, but he could probably flirt with, he could take another step. He probably can get into that top 12 if Henry Ruggs stays healthy and he kind of blossoms in that true number one threat. Uh, Cam Newton, I have, I, listen, he did a lot of the damage with his legs this year, uh, double digit touchdowns on the ground, which is fantastic, but he just couldn't do it with his arm. And listen, you can say what you want about, Tom Brady in his last few years in New England. But I think this year really showed the lack of weapons they have. I mean, Jacoby Myers was his main receiving threat because Edelman went out. They have no tight ends. They only, they do have some nice pieces at running back, but when James White got hurt, they didn't have that true passing game back. And who is Cam Newton trying to throw to, right? So it just, it's, they got to invest. They don't have Tom Brady anymore. They don't have that elite number one. So even if Cam Newton does come back next year, I want to be excited. Yes, he could do what his legs again. I totally get it. But now he's going to be approaching the mid thirties. And that's just something I'm not going to chase because even with all that rushing production, he still didn't finish as a top 12 quarterback. As for big Ben, yes, there is a coaching change, but they promoted their QBs coach. Maybe there's some more creativity in that offense. I'm not sure, but we'll dive into that later, but big Ben, you know, he has all the talent. Juju, Juju most likely is not going to be resigned, but they have stockpile of talent at wide receiver Eric Ebron at tight end. So Big Ben, listen, he he isn't going to be a big-time name next year, and I really wouldn't think you'd draft him as a QB1 because on a consistency basis, he didn't have any elite games. Like on the metrics I saw, he only had one elite game in 2020, and he's not going to win you weeks. But he did finish a QB1 one-third of the time. But overall, you know, it's not going to get any better for Roethlisberger next year. It's maybe one year removed from his – uh, arm injury from two years ago could be a thing, but I'm not really excited for Big Ben. And Matthew Stafford is interesting. I mean, him to uh, the Rams to be with Sean McVay. I mean, listen, when you give a great coach a great quarterback, magic can happen. And I'm going to keep an eye out on Stafford. Because of the Tom Brady thing this year, I think I'm more open to the idea of drafting a Stafford in the double-digit rounds next year because he, he has a – and this is something that blew my mind. Matthew Stafford has a 5,040 touchdown season under his belt. That is insane numbers. He has elite level talent. He's done it before in Detroit. And with Sean McVay kind of giving him, finally he can have those easy throws, the dump offs. I'm extremely uh, excited about Stafford. Plus he did it this year with no Galladay, right? So I'm, in, I'm looking forward to it, but I'd uh, love to get your feedback on Stafford's guy. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt Stafford, first of all, last year, I think, again, he played with, I forget the list now, but he played with like four partially broken bones, Mm -hmm. ribs, back, ankle, I mean, knee issues, right? I mean, the dude is just a fucking absolute animal. Um, So that's just the first thing. He's not playing at 100%. And and frankly, for most of his career, at least the last couple of years, he hasn't been 
100% for most of the season. Uh, Kenny Galladay out almost the entire year. Then you have Marvin Jones, who I think is a very solid wide receiver, uh, borderline wide receiver one on a team, uh, but not your bona fide number one. They had the rushing game up and down. They had new coaching system and all that stuff. Matt Patricia gets fired and all that. So I, I think it was just a very rough season in general. I know the Lions season, kind of big expectation, a little bit of a letdown, unfortunately. But Matt Stafford, I think, is going to be great moving to L.A. I really think it's going to help him out, man. They have a great arsenal all around him, a better running game, a better offensive line, a better defense, absolutely. That's going to put him in plus opportunities when they flip the field. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, if they stick around, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett's gone. Um, but they also have younger receivers as well coming up. And uh, who knows what they'll do in the draft because, as we know, they have no first-round picks until 2025. But I do like Matt Stafford moving forward. And he's kind of been this, what is he, upper echelon uh, QB2. And, uh, you know, what was it, last year I was really hyped on him coming in if he stayed healthy and Galladay and everything else because he was hurt for half of last uh, 2019. Yeah. But he was, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was behind only, I think it was uh, Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott only in points per game when he played in the nine games he played. Mm -hmm. So he's got the tools, man. He's been uber talented. We all know that. He just hasn't had weapons overall. And, you know, since Calvin Johnson uh, has been gone, he hasn't really been able to find that. So hopefully he will in L.A. A couple notes here. Derek Carr, kind of deceiving, right? So, again, like I said, 13th overall, 17th points per game. Career high in passing yards, 4,100 plus, but six of his 16 games were less than 250 passing yards. One of those games, 200 of them went to Darren Waller only, right? So they don't spread the ball in, in Las Vegas. We know that. It looks like there's some, and again, we're going to save this talk, but I'm going to preface a little bit. There's chatter per this, com, uh, per this podcast that teams are looking at Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. I don't think they both leave, but there's a chance that one of them leaves and maybe both leave. Yeah. That could be a crazy situation there too. So I think Derek Carr stays and then Marcus goes personally, but overall, um, you know, interesting situation with Derek Carr um, and Nelson Aguilar, as you mentioned, great kind of uh, uh, cast aside in Philly. They bring him in. He did really well with the Raiders. Um, Josh Jacobs, you know, up or down, but you know, they could do better uh, there with the Raiders and then big Ben. <laughs> I mean, it didn't seem like he was, again, the number 12 in points per game. You know, very low A dot. Uh, it was mm -hmm. all over the middle. And then deep bombs, Chase Claypool and, and Deontay Johnson. No run game at all, which helped him put up a ton of opportunity for Big Ben. Uh, looks like he's coming back for 2021. I'm not excited to get him unless you're in a 2QB league and you get him later with value, um, but not interested in QB1. And then Cam Newton, look, last thing, and then we'll move on. Cam Newton had the third most rushing yards in his entire career and 12 rushing touchdowns, which is insane for a quarterback, obviously. And that helped buoy him in fantasy football, but he had eight passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That's obviously horrendous. That's absolutely horrendous. Honestly, Bobby, I'll throw this at you. Yeah. Does Cam Newton, we don't have to talk about necessarily where he goes in free agency. I don't want to get into too much, but I just have a note here to ask you. Do you think right now Cam Newton starts for a team anywhere, New England or anywhere else, do you think Cam Newton is starting week one, assuming he's healthy? No. Man. I mean, yeah. Without without getting into details, I mean, you watch him throw football last year. I mean, listen, I, I want to give him a benefit of the doubt because what New England has done to their receiving core is atrocious. I mean, like, they have the worst weapons in the NFL. Like, it's not even close. And 
You watch Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl. He looked like an, he was an MVP because he had talent. He was thrown to nobody for like two years. It's just incredible. They tried with um, the Kill Harry to get him in the first round, but man, Newton, it just it emphasized how bad his throwing technique was because he didn't really, number one, he didn't have anybody to throw to. But like you said, eight passing touchdowns for a quarterback who played 15 games is, is it's insane. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Okay, I hope with the best for him because we love to see him. And in fantasy football, he's still useful. Yeah, but uh, he's not. He's not to the quality that a professional quarterback needs to be anymore. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's get into seventeen through twenty here. Baker Mayfield, seventeenth overall, twenty-first in points per game. Again, wrong direction. We want that second number above the mm-hmm. first. Uh, above the first number, seventeenth overall, twenty-first in points per game. Jared Goff, eighteenth overall, nineteenth in points per game. Teddy Bridgewater, 19th overall, 20th in points per game. And Phillip Rivers, 20th overall, 22nd in points per game. Again, Mayfield, Goff, Bridgewater first. So, listen, the one thing I'm going to tell you right off the bat that I say all the time is this: the first year in a system, it takes time for passing games to truly develop, right? So, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Teddy B had some familiarity with Brady from their time in new orleans i totally get that but that's the first year in the system him running the show so i kind of give quarterbacks in the first system a pass but i love to target those guys next year because the second year leap in a, in a system is huge we just saw it with aaron Rodgers. look how he was left for uh, dead essentially in fantasy barely a top 12 quarterback in adp and then he mvp season right because he got that second year leap so baker mayfield teddy bridgewater and listen i don't know what the panthers are going to do Will they draft a guy? Will they? I mean, there's so many moving parts right now that quarterbacks are available. I don't know what their actual thought process is on those guys, but if Teddy Bridgewater comes back, I think he could definitely improve on his numbers. But I think from a fantasy perspective, Bridgewater clearly has a ceiling. He's not going to be a QB one or anything, but I think it's better news for you know the DJ Moore's, the Robbie Andersons of the world. Now Baker, I believe, could be a fantasy asset, but more of like a Kirk Cousins. Like we just talked about Kirk. It, was it a great season? No, but he was a back-end QB1. I think that's where the like the next step for Baker's the Kirk Cousins. He's going to be the consistent borderline QB1 all year. Very, very few elite games, but very consistent. I think that's where Baker could take his next step. So I would be interested in looking at Baker if his early season schedule is solid. You know, if Odell comes back, I mean, really, I know he played better without Odell, but come on, like Odell is an elite talent. You give him Landry, the tight ends, and that running game, I think Baker, his scoring chances are going to go through the roof, and I think he could flirt with the QB1. Now, for Jared Goff, you know, Anthony Lynn, when he was in Buffalo, they didn't – that was the Tyrod Taylor years where they didn't throw a lot. He threw around 400 times a year. They, It's like, how many times – and you got Dan Campbell, which, don't get me wrong, the guy gets me jacked up, but you know, I don't <laughs> think passing attack when I think Dan Campbell – so I think Jared Goff is not going to be expected to throw that much. Are they going to retain Kenny Galladay? What's going to happen with Marvin Jones? What's the receiving core going to look like? You know, and it's going to be new system for him. New, and I, He's just completely off the fantasy radar. In my opinion, he's going to a new team, new system. There is that. That's the definition of all, all the check marks for a heck no for me. Like I am not interested in that. And Phillip Rivers, listen, I think we have to look at Indy itself, right? Let's Phillip Rivers retired. So when I look at Philip Rivers' season, 
they're they're another team that has all these mishmashes of talent, but they like T.Y. Hilton got off to a slow start. Then they got like Jack Doyle. And listen, Jack Doyle's a reliable guy, but he doesn't scream fantasy upside. And Trey Burton, like Michael Pittman, young, talented receiver, him coming into a second year. Can Paris Campbell be healthy finally? That team has an elite offensive line. So it, who's going to be the next guy? Is it going to be Jacoby Brissett? Is it going to be Easton? Is it going to be a rookie? Is it going to be Carson Wentz? That's a situation you want to monitor because, you know, Frank Wright is a very good uh, offensive mind. There's system continuity. They have plenty of pass catching running backs that can catch the ball in the backfield. They have a merging potential in Michael Pittman. I'm not sure what T.L.I. Hilton, what's going to happen with him, but that's a situation to monitor. So Phil Rivers finished as a top 20 quarterback. Give me a young, talented quarterback, maybe a little bit mobility with Frank Wright. I think you can flirt with a QB1 in that situation. I want to make a note here. Baker Mayfield, um, again, further further uh, down the list there, um, but 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Right. So I want to think about that really quick. So other names that we just mentioned here, Phillip Rivers, 24 and 11, pretty average for him, another 4,000-yard season, no surprise there. Jared Goff. Just under 4,000 yards, 39-52, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And Teddy Bridgewater, 3,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, 11 uh, interceptions. Obviously, we don't expect a lot of touchdowns from Teddy B with the running game there. And obviously, that was without Christian McCaffrey. We expect that to inflate. Baker Mayfield, 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. I just think, again, this is continuity that you're mentioning. First-year scheme and everything else, Odell and blah, blah, blah. But Think about what Ryan Tannehill is able to do uh, with Kevin Stefanski in, um, or I'm sorry, in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins uh, has been able to do, again, not necessarily a weak winner or a league winner, but right there at that kind of bottom QB1 every single week with a couple 400-yard games, with a couple four-touchdown pass games. I do think Baker Mayfield, if he can swallow his pride and not need to be the hotshot Brett Favre gunslinger that he wants to be, if he can just kind of work off play action, let Chubb and Hunt do their thing, feed Landry and the tight ends, as you totally mentioned, and Odell can come back in. If both those guys can just sober the fuck up and just own their role, I think the Browns could be excellent. We saw them should have beaten the Chiefs straight up, and I think that they're really going to have a head check a little bit coming into next year that they were that close on the scheme with Stefanski. Mm -hmm. If Baker can be kind of a game manager with his arm, with the scrambling ability, with his playmaking ability, with his incredible efficiency in the red zone as well, yeah. which is obviously great, I really do think he can take that step I think we've all been waiting for into the top 12 consistently. So the rest of these three guys, I mean, Philip Rivers has done, um, Jared Goff heading to Detroit, and no thank you, uh, and Teddy Bridgewater, no thank you. Baker Mayfield of this group I think has the best chance to really take a few strides, you know, yeah. and really, yeah. really exceed his draft capital in uh, 2021. Can I say something about Baker too? And I, this is, this is a bold take, but I think he could be that a uh, poor man's Aaron Rodgers leap, right? We saw that Matt LaFleur West coast scheme, heavy play action. They have a very unique reliance on the run game too, but they have Aaron Rodgers. I think that's something. And listen, Rodgers, the one thing about Rodgers, he never turns the ball over. Even in his down years, he was still in single digit interceptions I think that's the direction that Baker can go in his second season in the scheme. And they did a lot of work on the offensive line. Bill Callahan is a true elite offensive line coach. He came in, they brought in uh, Jack Conklin and they brought in the first round pick and that offensive line completely changed. 
So he's got the line. He's got the run game. He's got Odell. He's got Landry. He's got the, I mean, listen, this guy could really be, he's got the first round pedigree too. So it's, it's, that's the make or break. If he could build off last year, I think he can have a true QB one season. Absolutely. I think a big part of Baker too, in my opinion, is if he can work his cockiness and arrogance, which he's not shy about, right. If he can work his cockiness and arrogance into his favor, like, you know, when he gets fired up for a big game against the Ravens and they, and they have that big game against the chiefs, they play really well. That is a great asset to have as a competitor. You need your quarterback to have that thing. But like what Tom Brady has is that kind of cockiness and arrogance that if you hate him, you hate him because of that but it's driven into his performance. It's used for the better. He's fired up to fire up his teammates. He's not talking shit. He's not talking post game. He's not talking after, you know, into the crowd, which Baker's done in his younger years. I think another year or two of maturity, he just learns his role. Like, look, dude, we can do something real special, but it's all about you. Like right. for real, we, we, we ride and die with, with you. And if he can do that, I think they will be all right. One note on Aaron Rodgers. I didn't read this off. When we were covering him because he's Aaron Rodgers, but Again, 48 touchdown passes, a career high. He had 25 and 26 the last two years. We'll see if that evens out. Now, he's never thrown double-digit interceptions in his entire career. I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. In seven of his games this year, he had four touchdowns. So just extra frosting on the Rodgers cake. Mm -hmm. Okay, my man, let's finish it up here, 21 through 24. Again, there are many quarterbacks that fell off. Obviously, Dak Prescott. Unfortunately, we're not going to talk about him in this episode. Some other guys who have gotten injured and missed a significant amount of time. We're not going to talk about my boy, Marcus Mariota, who came in for one game and crushed. Go Hopefully Ducks. he'll find a home. But let's uh, let's rally out the rest of the top 24 here in overall scoring. Yeah. 21. Hall of Famer Drew Brees. Will he be back? Will he not? Number 21 mm-hmm. overall. Number 14 in points per game. That's what we want. 21 overall, 14th of points per game. Obviously, we'll talk about that, but he missed those five games, so that number's going to obviously inflate there. 22, Carson Wentz. 22 overall, 16 in points per game. Missed four games as well. Drew Locke, 23 and 23. And Daniel Jones, 24th overall, 24th in points per game. Breeze, Wentz, Locke, D. Jones. Yeah, listen, I don't think Breeze is coming back. Listen, we could talk about Breeze, but I think that Winston – uh, Taysom Hill thing is going to be interesting because listen, Taysom Hill, the one thing I will say is I was very surprised he didn't run as much as I thought he would when he became the starter this year. Um, but you saw the fantasy upside. This guy will be fantasy gold. If, if he's named the starter, I'm telling you, just go draft him. He's going to be a top 12 quarterback with that ability to run. I think Breeze, we saw like he was still very consistent, but he lacked that true arm strength. He didn't have it. Winston to me would be interesting because remember, you know, before the last couple of seasons, Sean Payton, they used to air it out. We're talking 5K passing yard seasons every single year. Marquise Colston, those guys are getting after it. Like every year you wanted Breeze. And, and Winston has that type of arm talent to pull that off in that system. And that's an offseason battle you're going to want to watch. Whoever wins out, you know, that's something that's an interesting situation. They're worth that last pick or whatever, second to last pick in fantasy. Like I always touch on the next two guys I want to talk about, those Drew Locke and, and Daniel Jones. Why? Because they're going into the second year of a system. So, listen, I, I'm a Giants fan. You can say what you want about Jason Garrett. I totally don't get it. We lost Barkley. But, you know, they don't have a true elite number one. So you're going to be watching that, right? Because, listen, Slayton's nice player. Tate's a good player. 
Shepard's a nice player, but none of those guys scare a defense on a consistent basis or can beat elite cornerbacks. Ingram has been a flop in that system. Evan Ingram is a move tight end. He should not be playing as a traditional tight end playing in line. He should be a glorified slot. So I, I think, listen, Daniel Jones is going to be that second year into a system. He's also extremely mobile. Yes, he. Uh, everyone knows that meme where he's running and he trips and they're playing the music and he falls over before he gets to the touchdown. But he still ran like 70 yards and he was fast. Like Daniel Jones is deceivingly mobile. And uh, we did see Dak Prescott have some success under the Garrett kind of offense. So I think Daniel Jones is someone to keep an eye on this offseason too because of the fact that there is some rushing ability that is what you want in fantasy. And plus, that's the second year in the system. Drew Locke, same thing. He's got arm talent and he's got weapons. And I think a lot of people forget about Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton was on his way to becoming a true elite borderline uh, wide receiver one in his own right, like elite number one. Now you have Sutton, Judy, then you got Hamler, you got Tim Patrick, you got all these weapons going into his second season with Pat Shermer. And listen, Shermer's had plenty of success. I, as a Giants fan will tell you, I didn't want him to get fired. I wanted him another season with Daniel Jones. I think Drew Locke is, that's Denver QB positions, obviously another situation to monitor, but Drew Locke is the starter next year. He's got so much talent with Sutton coming back. Heading into his second season in that system, he's got ridiculous arm talent. I think he's someone you have to monitor as well. And then finally, Carson Wentz. I mean, we don't know what's happening. I actually hope they trade Wentz because I want Jalen Hurts. I want Hurts to be the starter. He's. A, I think I would probably draft Hurts everywhere if he's the starter for the for the Eagles just because of his rushing ability. Um, but Carson Wentz himself, like, listen, the guy had no offensive line. He was throwing to practice squad, squad wide receivers for most of the season. You know, there were so many different scenarios with guys coming in and out. I mean, what do you expect from Wentz? Yes, he held on to the ball too long. Yes, he wasn't doing this. But he was playing with backup offensive linemen, backup receivers most of the year. Jalen Rager in that lineup. You know, Deshaun Jackson, Jeffrey, you know, Zach Ertz all out. Goddard missed time. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, Wentz didn't stand a chance. I'm sorry. Between those factors, I think it would be great. Him going to Indy, I mean, come on. Come on, for fantasy, just – I just want – come on. Like, I want all those things to happen. So, I want Hurts to be the starter, Wentz to go to Indy. I'd be super happy with that uh, because I think Wentz, if you give him – put him in a situation with a good head coach and put him in a situation with a solid offensive line, he won't see ghosts anymore. So, I think that's another thing. So, I think there's a lot of interesting moving parts with this last four section, these four quarterbacks. Yep. And of course, Carson Wentz does have the rapport with Frank Reich there, so that could uh, yeah. that could help there in Indianapolis. Absolutely, great breakdown for Drew Locke and uh, Daniel Jones with Pat Shermer and the Giants connection. You're the you're the Giants insider for TCK, so that was <laughs> that was fantastic. I'm going to double back really quick on Wentz and Breeze uh, as well. We'll start with Carson Wentz, 16 touchdowns. Here's the issue: 15 interceptions. Okay, I don't care how many games you play. One more touchdown than interceptions is not going to cut it. 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's the issue. I understand he had wide receiver trouble pretty much his entire career so far. Couldn't get Miles Sanders going. I understand all those things. Inaccuracies, bubbled passes, whatever it was, not going to help. 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. My man Drew Brees, 32, uh, 32, or excuse me, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. He would have paced out to about 32 touchdowns which may, would have made him top 10 in passing touchdowns just another season there for Drew Brees um, I also think Drew Brees hangs it up unfortunately um, he's been one of my favorite players for a really long time 
And uh, I just wanted to see a different outcome the way that he went out. But look, if you're going to go out uh, and Tom Brady is the one to eliminate you and they go on to win the championship, I mean, can't ask for a better send off than that. So um, hopefully it's not the end, but it probably will be. Um, And as far as uh, Jameis Winston and and Taysom Hill, I think Jameis Winston becomes the starter and Taysom Hill, look, he's still going to have his role. And we did see last year, Jameis goes down. Taysom Hill got thrown in because Breeze got hurt and Jameis was inactive and all this weird stuff. Like when he threw it, it wasn't terrible. He actually did okay with Michael Thomas for a couple Mm -hmm. of games. Alvin Kamara, sure, lost the dump offs because Taysom runs. But the offense was running. They were winning games. I think they're confident in Taysom Hill if they needed to do that. And he can throw if he has to. So I would be okay there. And just to second you on Jalen Hurts, I totally agree. I'm pretty confident he will be the starter in Philly next year, Um, whether they trade him or not. I just think he is better than Carson Wentz. personally. Um, And I think he just adds more overall. And he was a rookie last year. He only played a couple of games. You know, we saw the same thing with Drew Locke's rookie season. Everybody in Dynasty last year Mm -hmm. was going nuts. After the Broncos had the draft that they had, everybody was going out to get Drew Locke early in Superflex leagues and stuff because of the hype. Obviously, it didn't work out. But I think the same thing will happen uh, with Jalen Hurts as well. Okay, man, that is the 24 quarterbacks from 2020 let's run down 13 through 24 again one more time Carr, roethlisberger stafford newton mayfield goff bridgewater rivers breeze wentz Locke, and daniel jones is there anybody else i'll put you on the spot here real quick bobby anybody else on the list here um that didn't make the top 24 due to injury or yeah. a bum season or whatever that you're looking forward to a significant bounce back in 2021 that, well, Dak Prescott's the Dak's layup answer here. Um, and listen, Dak Prescott checks all my marks, right? He's going to be in the second year with Mike McCarthy. Uh, he's got a, the offensive line was extremely banged up this year. So it's probably best that he just left because that line was getting destroyed. But then he's got those trio of receivers. And then Blake Jarwin's coming back. He's got Ezekiel Elliott. I think the best part about Dak is, uh, you know, and I did some ADP shopping a little bit on MFL 10s. Um, it, and it's not going to hold up, but he's like a sixth rounder right now. Seventh round pick. I listen, I would eat that up all day. I mean, Dak Prescott's got elite upside, but I think lower level, the Washington football team has a very creative style and scheme. I really like what I saw when they outside of Haskins, I mean, Alex Smith, uh, you know, even Kyle, uh, Kyle Allen to an extent, uh, the guy slipping my mind, the guy who played the, uh, yeah, Heineke. You know, there was a lot of creativity there. I think the Washington football team is a dark horse to get another quarterback as well. And then Jimmy G, your boy. I think, listen, Kyle Shanahan's a genius. Get him a quarterback. Like, Jimmy G, when he plays, they win. But he just can't stay healthy. At this point, I don't know how you're – this is a good question for you because I think if Jimmy G can – or you're out. He's out. Okay, there you go. Look at that. You can see us now. We usually just do audio. So now we can do things like this. Perfect. This get him out of here. Get him out of here. That's what I'm saying. So I want to get Deshaun Watson to him, please. Give Kyle Shanahan Deshaun Watson. That's what I want. Figure oh. it out. Give up the house. Give up your first child, Kyle. I don't even know if he has a kid. Give him up. Just like get Deshaun Watson in the door because, man, like that, that's – I think the Shanahan scheme, it's, a, it's going to waste. I mean, Nick Mullins is nice. But, I mean, it's too talented of us with Debo and, you know, those guys with Kittle. I mean, forget about it, man. So that's another thing to watch, too, this offseason. Absolutely. And, and not, to, not to go too much into it, but you bring up the Niners. i got to respond real quick. I've been on the podcast for three seasons, three seasons, saying that as a Niner fan, I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo. 
period. Didn't want him when he came over. I didn't want Uncle Sherman either. And yes, they've been fine. And if he doesn't overthrow Emmanuel Sanders, I'm not as bitter. And maybe it's a different conversation. Nonetheless, Jimmy Garoppolo is, I think, what Alex Smith was for the Niners for a very long time. And that's awesome because he doesn't lose us games, but he also doesn't win us games. Mm-hmm. And at the quarterback at the top of the division with the with the the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals are only getting better. And yeah. in the NFC, which is fucking stacked every single season, I think the issue is you're gonna have you're gonna have to win games. And if Raheem Moser doesn't go for 200 on the Packers, maybe we don't win that game, right? And yeah. the Chiefs eventually came back and beat us because we couldn't close out the game. So I just Jimmy's not the answer. Um, I've been tongue in cheek about Nick Mullins just because I think it's fun, but he's not the answer either, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Beathard's gonna be gone. Honestly, I think the dream scenario, of course, for any team would be Deshaun Watson, 49ers especially. The problem is that's going to cost us a couple of picks. It's also going to cost us probably Nick Bosa because they no longer have uh, J.J. Watt. So that's a big one. Do we want to get rid of potentially our own J.J. Watt, but 10 years younger, uh, to get Deshaun Watson? I personally – Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something on this. What about – all right, so I'm going to give you a couple names, and you tell me what you think. Sam Darnold. Yes, down. Absolutely. You're in. And what would you what would be a, a reasonable price that you would give up for Sam Darnold? I don't know. I mean, he's a top three pick three years ago. It's gonna cost at least our 12th. We're 12th overall in the draft. So that pick. Um, yeah. and probably Jimmy to go back with Sala if they're homies. There you um, go. and then maybe here, and actually I was gonna mention dream scenarios Watson. Our backup was gonna be Stafford, he's off the clock, mm-hmm. and I totally would have settled or will settle with Sam Darnold still young, literally age wise and in his NFL career, get yeah. Shanahan. I think one year of working out the kinks behind a great defense, healthy run game, great receivers are healthy year two, three, the Seahawks are falling off. I really think Sam Darnold would be much cheaper, obviously a first round pick and Jimmy Garoppolo, at least I would say for Sam Darnold. But um, personally, about- I would absolutely take him for the next five years for SF. Carson Wentz, right yeah. now the indeed two second round picks. All right, too so expen- too expensive, yeah. unreliable. Um, you know, I think he's like a better Jimmy Garoppolo, which I don't want. And he's not injury prone, but he gets injured every year. We don't need that. We have plenty of injuries in the building already. I'll pass on Carson Wentz. And then Josh Rosen, huh? So Josh Rosen's already <laughs> in the building. I know, um, I know. And, you know, here's here's the thing. Josh Rosen's going to be a laughing stock unless he turns it around and isn't one. Um, it would be very interesting if Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold were in the same QB room in yeah. San Francisco because those guys were picked just a few picks apart, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. You know, I just – Josh Ro- – I try not to make it personal with these guys, but Josh Rosen super rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, when he got drafted by the Cardinals and on draft day, he was just like obviously deflated, like, fuck the Cardinals. Are you kidding me? Like the Cardinals and his energy was shitty. And I think like that rubbed off in year one. He wasn't very good. Goes to Miami, doesn't do well there. He gets kind of shipped out again. I I think talent wise, he's fine. I don't think he's got the headspace to turn it around personally. Yeah. If Shanahan can't turn you around, I don't think anybody can. Exactly. And he's already there. I mean, he was free. So yeah, yeah. We'll, he'll try and he, he, maybe he's good for backup if we need him or we'll give him three preseason games to see what happens. But obviously everybody wants Watson. Realistically, I would love Sam Darnold personally. And Another guy. he's a, he's a USC kid. So he gets to come back to Cali. And I think he'd like that. We have to bring this guy up, Joe Burrow. 
I think that's someone we haven't talked about. And, and I think like my, and listen, he's another guy where system continuity is going to matter, but like, we're talking elite talent. He, they were throwing so much though. That pass volume is not sustainable. I talked about that a lot early on in the season, but Joe Burrow is another name we cannot forget about in draft season. I think a lot of people won't, but at the same time, you're going to get a discount on him than what we probably would have had to pay for him. You know, that offensive line is always going to be the problem. You know what I mean? But T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, solid receiving duo. Not sure AJ Green's coming back, but uh, I don't know if Higgins and Boyd is going to be enough per se. You know, he's throwing the tight ends like CJ Uzama, but at the same time, you know, that's something to see if he could take the next step in his second year, but he's definitely someone you have to keep in the back of your mind, especially if he's a double digit round pick. Uh, now we're just doctors, but um, <laughs> do you do you think Joe Burrow is going to be ready week one? Well, I do have a PhD, so I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, I yeah, I think he will be. I think from what I heard from Pro Football Doc and stuff, like I think he'll be he'll be ready. Okay. I just don't know if he'll be mobile right away. That was kind well, of one and, of the bigger things about and that's Joe. my concern because a yeah. hurts and hurts in fantasy a little bit, but it's more like if he can't escape or or get off of his knee or whatever yeah he might be timid take another big hit whatever that mm-hmm. hurt so joe burrow's a great one so joe burrow finished 25th overall he was literally the next one next guy off. i'll do a couple real quick names just relevant names for next year you tell me if you want to talk to anybody we'll get out of here i'm going to keep garner Minshew off because obviously trevor uh, lawrence mm-hmm. is more than likely coming in mitch trubisky finished 27th overall uh we talked about Taysom hill sam darnold 30th uh tua 32nd we'll see what happens there Dak we know what happens there there's a couple other guys down the list here um but way deep and and not necessarily worth mentioning so uh we talked about Burrow quick thoughts on on Mitch Trubisky seriously I know he's been kind of a laughing stock but he brings fantasy relevance and Nick Foles is obviously not the guy there in Chicago um then let's cover very quickly uh Tua yeah, and the thing with Mitch Trubisky is the fact that he two years ago was mobile. He, in 2018, he used his or 19, he used his legs a lot, or 18, one of those, and that's really helped his fantasy upside. And he stopped. He hurt his shoulder, and then he stopped. You can. He's not a drop back quarterback, right? But Matt Nagy is supposed to be a solid offensive mind. Comes from the Andy Retreat. Allen Robinson, elite wide receiver. Rookie Darnell Mooney. They also have Cole Komet coming in. They also have Tariq Cohen and, and David Montgomery in the backfield. So. You know, there is a lot of opportunity there for him. Bill Lazor was a key offensive uh, offseason acquisition for the offensive coordinator position for them last year. Really helped develop that offense, uh, especially on the ground. But I just think that the Bears need to make a move. I think they got to get aggressive, try to get that next player, re-sign Allen Robinson, give him all the money that he wants because he's an elite wide receiver one. Uh, and I think that from that perspective, I just don't think Mitch Trubisky is someone that is consistent in the NFL. We've seen enough of Mitch to understand that he's not going to take you anywhere um, on a consistent basis. But as for Tua, the Dolphins are one of the hardest teams to read, but they are going to have another coaching change. And they're bringing in – they have a two offensive coordinator thing going on. I don't even know what's going on with that, but the former Texans offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, and then they run games, running backs coach, uh, starts with an S slipping my mind right now. But those guys are going to be splitting duties. And that's just another play call, another change, another change, a little bit of change in philosophy. So, yeah, I know they were on the staff, but it's a different system than Chan Gailey. I don't like change, especially for young quarterbacks. But Tua doesn't even sound like they even sold on him yet. I mean, they could definitely – they have the third pick. I mean, they, they got it from the Texans trade. They can they can get a guy as well, the kid from BYU or, or even Fields. I don't know. But at the same time, I'm not sold on either of those guys. There's more – 
look if you're looking this deep, look for guys of system continuity. Look for guys that are going into the second year of a system. That's my best advice. That's how you find value. Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to dial back on him really quickly because he did have a, you know, he missed six games. So he only played 10 this year. Some of those are benching. Some of those are injuries, obviously. But he had a uh, career um, least rush attempts, which obviously is not going to help his rush upside. You mentioned just one rushing touchdown and uh, just 2,000 yards passing. He was, however, significantly more efficient passing, 16 touchdowns to eight interceptions. Uh, that's the best uh, ratio of his career so far and only 18 sacks. So he may be getting better. The problem is he's heading into year five and yeah. you mentioned Bill Lazor, you know, Dweez is our house bears fan and Dweez is really hoping Bill Lazor will stick around and take over more roles. Cause I think you're right. He did turn it around when Tariq Cohen went down, David Montgomery went nuts, but a lot of that had to do with, I think Bill Lazor's scheme and he helped get um, Mitch Trubisky more opportunity. The problem is poor Allen Robinson had to dive for every single fucking ball he had. It's insane. Um, yeah. And then with, with Tua, you know, I've been in some Twitter wars lately. It's, it's like, I don't hate, I don't hate the guy. I think he's going to be, I think he's a good talent. I don't think he was hundred percent healthy. Fitzpatrick, I think gave him a better chance to win football games, not fantasy yeah. necessarily. Well, and fantasy probably, but football games, I think they made it prematurely because they had to. And Tua just wasn't ready. Although we made a couple throws, they didn't have any weapons in Miami, in my opinion, throwing the ball deep. Um, mm -hmm. Devontae Parker was hurt most of the season. Gesicki hit or miss. My boy Preston Williams got hurt again. So we'll see what, if they bring in somebody big and they relied on the run game. Plus they have a great defense brewing. We'll see if he just becomes a game manager as well. So I don't hate him, but there's too much talk of like, Maybe Deshaun Watson for Tua in a piece. Maybe Justin Fields. Maybe Zach Wilson. Maybe Trey Lance. And we like double rookie quarterback it. It just there's too I, much of that chatter to make me feel comfortable yeah. that the Dolphins are in on Tua. I don't like to give up on players early. I think the biggest misconception in football now is if they don't succeed as a rookie, it's like they're a bust. Like get out of here. Like that's ridiculous. Um, but at the same time, like when they had the Texans pick. It made no sense what they did with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're going to get a top three pick. You can watch the Texans deflate. Then you still get a top five pick. You could have still drafted. Your, your top three pick is the Texans pick, not your own. Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing at a level he's never played at before. I mean, that's just something that we don't see a lot from him. A lot of up and down roller coaster. I didn't understand why making the playoffs, they could have made the push with Fitzpatrick and still had a top three pick. It wouldn't have mattered. It's That was mind-blowing to me. You know, obviously they may not have won the Super Bowl, but, you know, the playoffs, anything can happen. And Fitz just was playing at a different level with those guys. So it's just very, very strange. But I'm not giving up on Tua. I just think that I'm not sold from a fantasy perspective. Um, it's just not a situation I would go after. For me, he's not draftable in single quarterback leagues. In super flex two QB leagues, I might take a stab, but I'm looking at him as yeah. like – a later round QB two or QB three, even if I, if I can, I don't necessarily want to rely on him so far. If I don't look, I hope for his sake, they bring some, look, if they brought in like an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or a Chris Godwin, Juju, one of these top receivers, Will Fuller in free agency, that would help significantly, but yeah. are they willing to do it? And is the game script going to, um, going to work? And I wonder, I'm a left-handed uh, person thrower uh i wonder how different it is for receivers just throwing this out in baseball i'm a baseball nerd too yeah there's a lot of talk about second basements and shortstops 
fielding a throw from a left-hand catcher, which none exist, but in like the high school level, some college, because it's mm-hmm. different coming out of the arm, right? And it, they see it different third basements and stuff. I wonder if wide receivers, for some reason, like Mike Vick, Steve Young, whatever, see a left-handed ball in the rotations. Like, last point. It's weird, yeah. and I'm thinking too yeah. deep on this, but like Bill <laughs> Belichick, okay? It's a weird thing, but Bill Belichick uses left-footed kickers or left-footed punters Punch, on purpose yes. because the the rotation of the ball is different than almost every other kicker. Yeah, it's just yeah. one little thing that might like throw somebody off one time. I wonder if the first round with a left-handed quarterback who's not playing with frequency in and out of the lineup with fits, if that was maybe weird in year one. I'm just maybe overthinking it, but that could be I love it. Could be a thing. All right. di- nothing better than a nice random deep dive left-handed. You're you're an expert lefties now. I love it. By the way, quick question. What was what was the coin toss? Heads or tails on the Super Oh, get out of here with this. Get out of here. You know what the worst part was? As soon as you had that ridiculous analysis about Tom Brady, I was thinking about changing my answer because I'm like, I like that stuff. I like when people get weird and have analysis about things. But I didn't. I just went with a stupid saying, tails never fails. Whatever, man. All right. I'm Look, look, folks. I'm just here to help. That's it. I'm just trying to help. Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to help. Yo, TCK Potter is always a pleasure. Make sure to smash the subscribe button down here. Leave us a comment. Tell us which quarterback surprised you, which ones helped you out, which ones burned you. Obviously, if we're injured, give them a break. But otherwise, which ones were maybe a little bit frustrating? Who you're excited to see coming up in 2021? Leave a comment below. And please, we're building the YouTube channel. Share it out. Share the comment. Make sure to Twitter and help us out and get the word out and give a subscribe and ring the bell so you make sure you hit all of our episodes Coming up on the podcast, leave us a five-star review and a rating wherever you're listening. We would much, much appreciate it. You can catch the Candlestick Kids on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCKPod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod that goes directly to me, and I will field all those DMs. Personally, you know that I do that. And before we get out of here, Bobby, my man, let them know where they can find your content as well. Yeah, you can follow, you can find me on here first off. Make sure you subscribe. I love, love working with Sky and TCK team. I also on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor on Twitter at FFX Factor. I write my feature articles on football.raswell.com and expand the box score as well. My man, Lucas and Dweez coming up next on Thursday to bring you the top 24 running back breakdown. Bobby and I will be back with you next week for the wide receivers. And then we got the tight ends with Lucas and Dweez again next week. Two episodes per week moving forward, but we're bringing action-packed extra stats for all of you fantasy footballers out there. We appreciate you tuning in. Episode 361 in the books for my man, Bobby LaMarco. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. We'll catch you next time. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.